When a man hits midlife, usually between the ages of 37 and 50, something happens. He begins re-evaluating his accomplishments. For some, they pat themselves on the back and press on. But for others, they don't like what they see and seek to change things. Sometimes for the better, sometimes not. This is what is called midlife crisis. Is the so-called midlife crisis real? Is it merely the result of middle-aged whims of immature men? Is it a male rite of passage? How does a man navigate midlife without hurting anyone in the process? How can a man navigate the hurdle of midlife, reboot, and finish the race well? In this episode, we will help men navigate the troubled waters of midlife wisely and successfully. Because, as we will see, this period in a man's life, it's a God thing. And ladies, you want to stick around for this one. If you have a husband or brother going through midlife, you'll be able to help them understanding what they're going through. Are you ready? Let's dig deeper. Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, hosted by certified coaches Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Elizabeth is a Christian life and leadership coach, branding consultant, and busy mompreneur. Sebastian is a Christian speaker, Bible teacher, author, and leadership expert. Together, they help today's committed believers to dig deeper in their knowledge and walk with God in order for them to grow and climb higher in life and leadership. If you want to dig even deeper, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com for more free resources and content. Thanks for joining the Thriving on Purpose podcast. We're so glad you could take some time from your busy schedule and tune in. This week's episode is um, is going to be very insightful for men and women because as Sebastian explained, a lot of women see uh, their men go through this and don't exactly understand what this crisis is and don't know how to help them. And so I hope if you're a woman listening, you'll tune in till the end because this is really going to open your eyes to what's going on. And men, this is definitely going to help you uh, sort things out and understand what's going on with uh, your feelings and understand what's going on spiritually. Also, we have a special special announcement to do at the end. So stick around for that because this is really going to be a a really great thing for you guys, uh, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, let's dig in, Sebastian. Yeah, thanks, Liz. Uh, I decided to make a two-episode series on midlife. So this episode will be for men. The next one will be for women. And the reason is uh, because recently God brought some uh, men to me who were undergoing some midlife issues. And uh, as I I met with them and I spoke with them and uh, we exchanged, I realized that this really reminded me, their stories really reminded me of my own. And also by talking with them, I realized and saw just how common this is. And I also saw the necessity for men to go through midlife crisis. 
in some cases. Not in all cases, but in some cases, it is absolutely necessary. Midlife in men is much more than just a crisis. And by the way, I really, really hate the term midlife crisis. Uh, this is why the episode is titled Midlife Crisis or Midlife Calling. Yes, some men do make it into a crisis because they may be hurting. And as they say, as a result, they're looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> so the typical perception we have of midlife crisis is the Hollywood one. We've seen that in movies many times where men go off to buy expensive sports cars or a Harley Davidson motorcycle, or perhaps they hook up with their 27-year-old administrative assistant and they buy into an expensive divorce in the process. That's the Hollywood-induced view of midlife crisis. And to be honest, it also describes behavior that, although they say it's common, uh, I haven't seen that many Christian men go through uh, midlife that particular way. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, I'm just saying Christian men seem to internalize it a little bit differently, as we will see later as we develop this subject. For most Christian men, midlife serves more as a wake-up call or as an introspective reassessment of their lives. I believe God greatly uses midlife in the lives of Christian men to bring them back into alignment with Him and in the process to further propel them forward into their purpose. Now, that doesn't necessarily make it easier. It's still hard. It's still a hurdle in most men's lives. But I find it gives Christian men more of a hope as they navigate midlife. So I prefer to call it a midlife wake-up call, or as Bob Buford called it, halftime. Bob Buford wrote a wonderful book called Halftime, Moving from Success to Significance. In his book, he compares midlife in men to the halftime in a football game. During a football game, we underestimate the importance of halftime. You see, depending on how the game is going, what is said done and focused on during the halftime will determine the ultimate outcome of the game for any given team. If you're ahead in the game, halftime can serve you to reassess what is working and keeping your focus on doing the right things right. It also is a very good time to reevaluate your priorities. Stay on point, if you will. Now, if you're behind in the game, Halftime is a good time to change your strategy and regroup. It's also a time to strengthen your mindset and outlook. That's when pep talks come in handy. So this way, you can get back in the game and maybe even win it. But the point is this. Halftime is the time that can make or break a game. And in the same way, halftime in a man's life is crucial. It can make or break your life depending on the decisions you make. And speaking of decisions, halftime is a crucial time where a lot of men make a lot of decisions for their lives and they're not always good decisions. And we're gonna talk about that right now. Obviously there's decisions that men will make concerning their marriage. We, we know the, uh, 
the stigma of of, uh, <laughs> of midlife, where, like I said earlier, some men would just uh, they're gonna go for this uh, younger chick and and leave their wives and uh, and do foolish things. In 2017, Psychology Today reported that midlifers show an upsurge in their frequency of extramarital affairs. So in their quest to find answers to their uneasiness and troubled times, many men who go through midlife, uh, they think of letting go their marriage or changing partners. They think this will answer their plight and like 95% of the time it absolutely doesn't because it doesn't have anything to do with their partner, what they're going through. Liz, do you have anything to add to that? Yes, um, changing partners is definitely not the solution. And um, I'm going to give my input as a wife and um, also as someone talking to other women that may be listening to this. Um, I did go through this with Sebastian. He was in his early, so he, he just had turned 40, I believe. And, um, you know, what I learned from that is that if you just, you know, talk to the person, talk to your husband and say, try to be content with your situation and, you know, um, like, you know, accept that it's, that's just the way it is. And that kind of talk doesn't really help in this kind of situation. Or suck it up, buttercup. That doesn't work either. (laughs) Because, um, you know, women tend to act this way because they're scared basically they're scared that this is going to change and uproot their whole life because as we know most men are the breadwinners or or you know they're if if the woman's working well his uh income is very significant and so for him to change course in life they know that that's going to uproot the family and that's going to cause a lot of um, a lot of problems sometimes in some cases, yeah. yeah, in some cases, not always depending on how you do it. But, um, so a lot of women will tend to say, kind of just, you know, bury your feelings, just, you know, you just have a couple of few more years and then you have retirement and they kind of talk like that, but that's because they're scared of all the changes that that might bring. Right. So I would, I would say, you know, I learned quickly that it was about, you know, understanding where he was coming from how he felt and asking the right questions and that's difficult because some men sometimes don't want to talk to their wives about that and um, because they just feel that they won't understand but if you have a good communication like you're you're really good at communicating together it's really important that you try to get him to open up to you so that you're able to understand exactly where he's coming from how he's feeling and possibly together find a solution and, and here's what I, uh, I realized by talking to these guys, these men that, that God brought into my life recently. Christian men, they're a particular breed of men, especially they're serious Christians and devoted Christians. If they're undergoing midlife crisis, all of a sudden, it's about them. It is about them. So Christian men in church generally, we are taught to be servant leaders. We're taught that it's not about us, Right. And I think it's so important for the wife who has a husband going through midlife to tell her husband, to tell her man, look, this time it is about you. And you know what? That's okay. You, you have to look at what, what's going to make you tick, what's going to ignite your soul, what's going to make you happy. 
without, of course, completely uprooting our lives. He has to make godly decisions in the process. But it's okay to tell your man, you know what, it's about you this time and we respect that. And it's a process you're going through and we're going to support you and help you and encourage you as much as we possibly can. Because Christian men have that guilt when they're going through midlife that they can't make themselves happy because they feel like if they do that, they're not being responsible. They're not um, holding their family together, being the godly leader they're supposed to be. They think that if they're thinking about themselves, that makes them selfish beings. And that's not the case. Uh, I believe that, you know, the, the phrase we use all the time, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Well, it applies to, to daddy as well. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that um, by, you know, um, not dealing with it and ignoring the problem and just kind of brushing it away and saying, you know, well, I don't really want to deal with this because I'm midlife. I can't start over. I'm over the hill or there's, you know, I just don't want to do it for whatever reason. It will just prolong the inevitable and make everybody miserable in the process. And uh, from a wife's standpoint, I can tell you that if you don't, you know, offer that listening ear and help um, him find that solution or maybe encourage him, um, you know, to, to seek some counseling, then, you know, you're just going to go round and round and be miserable for years and years. And uh, that's not going to benefit anybody or make anybody happy in the process. You won't have a good marriage. Exactly. And uh, of course, uh, midlife in a man can be, there, there can be so many things that the man needs to look into to, uh, to feel better, to feel more <laughs> properly purposed and going in the right direction. They might have to deal with issues from their past that they have been not dealing with for years and years. That might be one thing. Uh, they might have to undergo a career change like it was the case for me. And uh, yeah, they might have some marital issues and it might be a, an okay time to go in, in marital counseling because, you know, we know it happens as well. But obviously th there has to be some encouragement for the man to, to seek out these uh, solutions to his problems, to explore at least mentally what can be done for him to feel like his father's son again, I guess you could say, for him to feel like, okay, I'm, uh, I, I feel like I'm solving this, this is... This is a new direction I'm taking. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm making progress here. Yeah, and you know, I don't even want to, like we call it midlife crisis, but I know personally a lot of men that uh, have gone through this and they're a lot older. Sebastian will talk to you but, about that later, but there are men that, you know, are in their 60s yeah. questioning this, that are like at the end of their career going yeah. towards retirement and saying, you know what, I feel like, I wasn't on this earth to do what I've been doing for the mm. last six, 60 years. And so, and that's just because they didn't uh, listen to the signs that were there earlier. And so it's never too late, no matter what age you're at, it's never too late because God puts you on this earth for a reason. And that's all, you know, what you're supposed to discover. So no matter what age that you're at, where the Lord is calling you and tugging on your heart, you have to start listening and and start doing the work to figure out what that purpose is what that thing is that you're supposed to be doing yeah and, it, and it's such a vulnerable time and um, I've compiled some statistics here about uh, suicide and midlife in men and it's pretty troubling uh, the, su the statistics I compiled are from 2017 it says that Men died by suicide in 2017 3.54 more times 
more often than women. The rate of suicide is highest in middle-aged white men in particular. And get this, this one shocked me. White males accounted for 69.67% of suicide deaths in the U.S. in 2017. Wow. That That shocked me. I couldn't believe it. And also in 2017, the highest suicide rate, which is 20.2%, was among adults between 45 and 54 years of age, which is exactly midlife. Wow. So, that's so that's it's, awful. it's awful and it's something that a lot of people aren't dealing well with. And I'm going to talk about my own experience a little later. But before I, t- I talk about my own experience, I want to keep underlying some key interesting points here. Let's talk about midlife a little bit. Uh, The term midlife crisis was first coined by Elliot Jacques in 1965, and it became very popular after it began to be used by Freudian psychologists. And among those psychologists was Carl Jung, who first described it as a normal part of adult maturation the time during which people took stock of themselves. He placed it midway between adulthood and the end of life, which I find interesting because Liz mentioned that earlier. You know, you don't have to be 40 years old. It can happen at 50 and 60 also. So uh, Elliot Jock's notion of the midlife crisis was its, re- its correlation to creative genius. So this was, I found, very revelatory. So Jacques said that according to him, the midlife crisis is such a crisis that many great artists and thinkers don't even survive it. I had the impression, he said, that the age of 37 seemed to figure prominently in the death of individuals in this category. So he decided to crunch the numbers with a random sample of 310 geniuses, or people in history of renown, and indeed he discovered that a considerable number of these formidable talents, including people like Mozart, Raphael the painter, Chopin, Rimbaud, Purcell, and Baudelaire succumbed to some kind of tragic fate or another and drew their last breaths between the ages of 35 and 39. And he said, uh, Jacques again said, the closer one keeps to genius in the sample, the more striking and clear-cut is this spiking of the death rate in midlife. Wow, that blew my mind. It's very interesting because it makes one wonder about the role of what we call a midlife crisis or midlife. Is it possible, and, and that, that, made, that got me thinking, is it possible that for those who have achieved their purpose by the time they hit midlife, in other words, who have accomplished a tremendous amount of work, who have actually positioned themselves in, in, in their capacity, in their highest capacity, Could there be a relation between that and the fact that their lives end early? Something along the lines of, well, you fulfilled your purpose. You're done. Good job. End of life. End of the line. You know what I'm saying? 
while for those who haven't fulfilled their purpose in the same manner, is it, midlife, is it an inner calling to do so uh, as some sort of realignment of sorts? Now I'm going to talk about Eric Erickson. He's a theorist who is known for creating the eight stages of development. He explained midlife as a transition during the stage he called middle adulthood, when people naturally struggle with questions about their meaning and purpose. And, and that is, uh, I think, a big why, a big definition of, of what explains the midlife angst for most men. It's usually that. It's a struggle with questions about meaning and purpose. And of course, for Christians, we already have the meaning. In other words, we, we, we serve a higher God. We, we, we know we're put on earth for something particular. But if we haven't found what that particular is, we can still have a lot of pain and a lot of uh, ways to go before we actually feel uh, a lifting and uh, a lifting of our spirit. Yeah, and I think that... Um... Uh, a big cause to blame is the fact that we're our society and our, our generations of education have pushed so many to basically not search for what they're supposed to be doing. They haven't had the time to really reflect and um, you know work their strengths and figure out their purpose. And right away they're like you know not even finished high school and they have to choose a program and they're not sure what they want to do and. That's why you see so many people in university, you know, changing from program to pr program because they're basically trying to find themselves in uh, university. And that's uh, the worst place you can actually find yourself <laughs> when true. you think about it. It's not a program that's going to tell you what your purpose is when you think about it. That's a good but that's point, yeah. people think their purpose is linked to their job, to what they're able to do physically, you know, <laughs> with their intellect and, and, and physical. Most, mostly men, too. I mean, men have a huge attachment to their work, what, what they're going to be doing as a career and their sense of worth. So it's a big it's a big thing when they hit midlife. If they're not doing the work they love, it's a huge thing. Uh, another great thinker, Napoleon Hill, who's the author of Think and Grow Rich, he saw midlife as a time when genius could be ignited. And I think that's very interesting. He called it sexual transmutation. In one of his chapters on midlife, he talks about that. He says it hits around the age of 40 years old. So he said that as we enter midlife, our sexual urges diminish. And as they do so, our creative genius or our creative juices are ignited, bringing men into their most productive and fulfilling season, which he said was between the ages of 40 to 60 years of age. And I totally agree with that. I think there's also a, a correlation there with the... Uh, the diminishment of sexual urges and the, I guess you could call it as inspiration or uh, creativity that, that kind of gets like uh, an added boost as that happens. It's a very strange transition in the life of a man. But see, some men, especially the men who are very uh, highly uh, sexual, they don't accept that diminishment of the sexual activity, which would explain why they all of a sudden want to go with younger women. And they, they just don't accept that. For, so instead of, for them, instead of transitioning into creative genius, <laughs> they, they go like, no way, this is not going to happen to me. <laughs> and they leave their wives or if they're, if they're single, they just go on partying with younger women, uh, which is just uh, not a solution, I don't think anyway. 
But it's interesting to note these great thinkers, how they saw midlife. You know, in all honesty, midlife is a very, very vulnerable time. We spoke earlier about the suicide, uh, how much it's, it peaks in men of that age. And, and we remember Robin Williams. Uh, that was a tragic suicide. Uh, also, the, uh, it was a chef a couple of years ago. I forget his name. Anyway, he was in midlife and everybody was shocked when they heard that he had killed himself. And, and these things happen and we, like, we go like, what, what happened? He had everything to be happy. But you know, if you don't have, a full, of course there's mental illness and I'm not gonna say it doesn't exist. Mental illness, if it is not treated, can lead people to suicide. But aside from that, if a man doesn't have embrace, hasn't embraced by midlife a deep sense of purpose and knowing that they're doing the right thing they're supposed to do, the thing they were, the work they were supposed to do while on earth, they're always in question. And that goes for women too. And we'll tackle that in the next episode of the Thriving on Purpose podcast when we'll, we'll talk about the woman's side and Liz will be good at providing us uh, some great uh, material for that. But that said, uh, it's always surprising when you see a man of... I don't know, 50, 55, ending his life when they're at the top, right? When they're doing, like Robin Williams was at the top. He was he had accomplished great things and he was always making people laugh. So it came as a shocker when he killed himself. So it's a very, very vulnerable time. And here's what happens. Because their awareness and sensitivity is heightened, okay? That, that makes them vulnerable. They're more prone to introspection during that time and more receptive to their own feelings. You know, guys growing up, some more than others, but we're, we're not really in touch with our feelings. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of lucky that way. I, well, I don't know if it's luck or if it's a curse, but I've been in touch with my feelings quite a bit growing up and, and always uh, opening up communication channels with Lizzie. So I've always been pretty open about how I feel, but it's not the case for all men. A lot of men don't, don't explore their own feelings. And a lot of men can be taken aback when it's time to deal with those feelings of sadness or, or a crisis like yeah. midlife. A lot of men will drink their sorrows away or try to forget or even if they're Christian. I mean, it's not because you're a Christian that you don't try to sometimes do these things just to, to get rid of the pain or make you stop worrying and thinking about it. So what happens when you're more vulnerable, when you're in this period of vulnerability? Well, you become vulnerable to, of course, you're, you're more in touch with your feelings, but that can make you, make you vulnerable to two things, either the angel on your shoulder or the devil on your shoulder. And what I mean by this is uh, uh, we saw from the stats earlier that the devil likes to use this vulnerable time in men to encourage them to kill themselves. Mm-hmm. It always... It always services the devil when a man offs himself. I mean, unless he signs a contract in blood saying, I will serve you, Satan. Uh, If he doesn't do that, if he kills himself, he's still doing him a favor. The devil likes that. He's come to what? To uh, steal, kill, and destroy. So that's what he wants. And many men fall prey to his suggestions during this vulnerable time. But notwithstanding, there is also another voice which is greatly heightened, like with a speakerphone, during this time. And that voice that is heightened is the still small voice of God. And this still small voice is calling men to purposeful living. This has never changed. This has always been God's plan for mankind, for when there's a human being born, 
he wants them to embrace their purpose. And midlife, the crisis time, that period of questioning, is when God is actually using that megaphone and, and actually his voice is greatly amplified if we are able to listen. And now I'm going to talk to you guys about my own experience with midlife because I had a pretty bad one. I don't say, I shouldn't say bad. It was very good. It, it led to great things, but it was also very difficult to navigate. God has used my midlife as a call to purpose. And my midlife, what we'd call my midlife crisis, was that. And it began when I hit the ages of around 39 or 40 years old. My youngest child, Katie, who is now five years old, she had just been born. And as a result, I inherited of six months, in Canada we're lucky, because Liz was a stay-at-home mom at the time, I inherited of six months of parental leave. So I could uh, leave my job for six months and be paid. So not only was it going to be a wonderful paid leave and, and an opportunity for me to spend time with my family, but I also, kind of secretly, I didn't tell my wife this, but I also saw this as a very good opportunity to pause, reflect, and seek out other career opportunities. I was really, really uh, dreading going back to my day job as a mailman. I was a mail carrier with Canada Post. And I hated every second of it. I wasn't made to be a mail carrier. I didn't feel this was a job I was happy in at all. So what I did is as soon as I inherited of these days off and little Katie was born, and of course, I did more in the house, folded more clothes, helped with the meals and, and helped with the general tasks to take care of the kids. But I also had a lot of time off. So what I did is I scoured the internet far and wide to try to find something. I wanted to find anything that would help me to avoid going back to that job that I despised. I really, really didn't like my job. It made me miserable. And just thinking about the fact that I had to go back in six, six months, I was like, I have to find something. I have to find something that's gonna be a new thing for me, a new, a new direction. I have to find a new direction. And I, I, it was something I looked at every single day on the internet. Now, after four to five months of searching. Remember, I had like six months off. So now after four to five months, I was getting closer to the end of that time off. I was growing hopeless. I hadn't found any particular thing. And, and you know, I to be honest, I was looking for J-O-Bs. I was looking for jobs. So I was on job side trying to see if there was a job that would be a better fit. And, and nothing inspired me. Nothing, nothing stirred up anything in me. So I felt trapped. I felt like my prison sentence was inevitable. I felt that I was just going to have to face it. I was doomed to do this job that I hated until I was going to hit 65. And I couldn't handle that idea. And not being able to handle that idea, what ended up happening is I became very very, very depressed. And to be honest with you guys, I became so depressed that I was even suicidal. And I, there were mornings when uh, I thought just at the prospect of, it, of going back to that job, I thought, I'm just going to drive my car into the trees or off a cliff or and, and it's going to be over. I won't have to go there anymore. That's how much I hated my job. And, you know, for some people who are not in that situation, who are not undergoing midlife crisis, they might look at this like, well, that's pretty stupid. Like, why would you do that? 
But you know, when you feel really, really trapped, sometimes you feel like your only exit, your only chance to get out of that trap is to kill yourself. And of course, the devil enjoys using that opportunity to pump your mind full of his venom because that's exactly what was going on. So I just kept getting more and more depressed and more and more sad. Yeah, and I was getting really, really worried because I could just see um, in his face and just his body language that he was so miserable and there was just like a darkness uh, hovering over him. And uh, that was really, really difficult. And that's a, a really... Uh, a time where you need to pray a lot for your husband because you know that there's a battle, there's a spiritual battle, and that's where you have to really do spiritual warfare and really pray in a way that, you know, keeps the devil at bay and um, that even if, you know, your husband doesn't understand fully what's going on, you do as a, a, a kingdom woman and you're able to pray and ask God to, to show him, you know, to guide him on the path that he needs to take. And so, you know, there was a lot of prayer going on in, in, during that time. And, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is that um, men and women, when they, they go through this, uh, now we're going to talk about men. Ne uh, next week, we're going to talk about women dealing with this. But the problem is that most men don't feel like they have options. And that's only because they don't understand that they are in control of their lives and that they do have the power to make choices absolutely and that you know the choices that we make whether you feel like i'm not going to make this choice to either you know go back to school or uh to you know become an entrepreneur or, or do whatever it is that god's asking you to do because it's going to demand work and effort and you know i'm just going to choose not to um well that's a choice that you make to it's be miserable, it's still a choice yeah. whether you choose to do nothing yeah. or you choose to do that thing that does demand some work for a certain time and can make you really happy and your whole family happy in the end as a result. So the the choice is for you to make and just you know postponing and postponing and letting time go by just makes you more miserable and feel like you have less time to change things and more trapped. Yeah, and and what ended up happening? Obviously, Liz was worried. And uh, my sister was scheduled to come and visit us at the end of, like, maybe towards the fifth month, like maybe a month before I went back to work. And uh, she wanted to come and see the new baby. And, and so uh, Liz sat down with her and she told her of how worried she was and what was going on. And uh, she said, I'm really worried if you can talk to him because he won't listen to me. And, you know, husbands were... <laughs> We're like that. Huh? We, we don't listen to our wives. We might listen to our friends. We might listen to other people, but we won't listen to our wives. And then our wives go like, well, I told you so, you know. And that's exactly what happened. My sister took the time to talk to me. And God used her at that time to just one sentence, one couple of phrases she said. She said, look, you got, you still, you're just 40. You still have 25 years at least of productive work ahead of you. And what's three years of study? If you go back to school, what's just what's three years of study in 25 years? It's just three years out of 25. And then you can do something you actually enjoy for the rest of your life or the remainder of that career or job. And see, at the time, I didn't know it. I was just starting a process. But the point I'm trying to make is this. When she said that, it ignited something in me. And it made me, I decided, I made a decision. 
I think God used that to push me to make a decision, to become intentional, to lead my life instead of accepting my life. And see, it was the accepting part that I couldn't do. I couldn't accept my life. So I thought the only way to, 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 to deal with that was to, to off myself. But then since I was in a crisis, I couldn't see the whole, everything that was possible. And that sentence God used and said, yeah, that makes sense. So I decided to go back to school. Long story short, that didn't really last. For some reason, I didn't stay in school. I, I wanted to study translation. And from there, slowly from event to event to event, God brought me into my purpose to do what I'm happy doing today, which is uh, teaching the Word of God, uh, doing this podcast, writing books, etc., etc. But it was a huge process that took years. And But it, it needed... Um, I needed some eureka moments and sometimes it's just one sentence that someone's going to say to you that's going light, to light you up and go like, hey, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, and you know, Sebastian, at the time, um, you know, most people when they, they don't know what entrepreneurship is, which was um, my they, case, yeah. they just, you know, focus on um, the J-O-B or that, you know, going back to school and sometimes you're like, well, the only other thing I wanted to do was this and that would demand like five years of studying and they see that as, you know, the end of the world. But, um, you know, there's so many options today of different things that we can do, different ways that we can make money that can make us way more happy than what you're currently doing if you're miserable doing that. But I think that the worst thing is that people think there's an expiry date and the expiry date is 65 because who? Because the government decided that exactly. you're going to get your paycheck at 65 and then you're going to retire. And then people think, oh, then I'll be free. Then I can go boating. I can go golfing. I can do whatever I want because I finally have my freedom. No, you have your freedom right now. You have the freedom to choose what you want to do right now Amen. and you'll notice that the most successful christian entrepreneurs that i know even christian pastors that are successful that love what they do they they do it until they're 85 90 until they can't do it anymore oh yeah and it's not because they have to you know john maxwell doesn't have to keep on going and he says it all the time he's 73 <laughs> he's 73 and he says i could have retired a long time ago with just the sales of my book of my books, because he wrote over 80 of them, and they, most of them are bestsellers. But that's not the point. He says, I do this because of significance, because it makes him excited, it makes him happy. And he says, the day I won't be happy doing this anymore, I'll stop. Yeah. So you see the, the difference there? So think about where you're at right now in your life. And so if you were to, to change your life, even if it would demand you learning new things for the next year or so, what would that change? How how many more years would you have left until the Lord calls you, you know, to do to make an impact, to be significant, to fulfill your purpose, to finally be happy? Those are a lot of years. Forget the sixty-five. Scratch out of your head. Those are a lot of years. Mm -hmm. It's all about your perspective. Absolutely. And friends, uh, as we reach the end of this podcast, I want to make a special announcement. This is actually not really the end of the podcast. There's more. How do we get through midlife successfully? How do we navigate this hurdle or this time in our lives when God is actually using his megaphone to wake us up, to stir us into purpose? There are five keys 
to overcome the hurdle of midlife in a man's life. And if you wanna know what those five keys are, I am giving you, I'm sending you a special invitation to join our top, Thriving on Purpose, top Kingdom Ambassadors exclusive membership where you will get access to, of course, the end of this podcast, which offers great solutions for all men going through midlife right now. But furthermore, by joining this exclusive membership, you will access exclusive and expanded teachings from the Thriving on Purpose podcast, such as this episode, where I dig deeper into life-changing content and offer powerful solutions and action steps. Furthermore, you will get bonus exclusive monthly teachings that are only available on that platform in either video or audio format. And every member will be the first to know about upcoming courses because yes, I've been working on courses and I will post some in there as well. And every member will also get complete downloadable PDF notes of every single teaching that I give. So if you're interested in digging even deeper, you can go check out thrivingonpurpose.com to get access to top Kingdom Ambassadors exclusive membership. Yeah, we really made this possible for every uh, Kingdom Ambassador, every Kingdom Builder that wants to uh, dive deeper where we put exclusive content that's not available to anybody else. So right now you're listening to our free podcast and we offer a lot of value. As you know, we've done this for a really long time. There's a lot, there's hours and hours and hours of free stuff. Um, but we felt that, you know, we wanted to prepare content for people that really want to dive deeper, that are really thirsting to know more about kingdom knowledge, to grow their faith deeper, to talk about, you know, some all kinds of topics, you know, that pertain to um, to men, especially, and also to women, um, different things that, you know, are are a lot more um, deep that we can't, you know, always discuss in a podcast sometimes. Like the second part of this podcast is not just, oh, here you go, five little action steps. It's more than that. It's a lot more than that. And so um, we didn't want to do a two-hour podcast today. So we encourage you to be part of that. All you need to do is go to thrivingonpurpose.com. You'll see on the front page where you can become an exclusive member. Um, it's really a small fee per month. And you'll have access to all of that, all the video courses, um, MP3 audio downloads that you can listen to in your car and continually uh, be fed and uh, basically thrive on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, we're transitioning. We're always uh, trying to implement more and do more for you guys. And uh, uh, Thrive On Purpose is growing as you know, and uh, we're excited to share this with you. And yeah, and we also decide to add the downloadable PDF notes of every single teaching because we know some of you are doing uh, Bible study groups and you want to, you know, provide value and you want to give some of those teachings or notes. So this saves you time to, to bring some good content to your group. Or if you're a pastor, you want to develop a sermon around the topics that we're talking about, you'll be able to do that with that uh exclusive membership all right so be blessed and thrive on 
for more free resources and content. Make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com 